Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Do you feel beautiful? You are beautiful. Look at you. Stunning. Praise the Lord. Summer of Psalms and I'm excited to be here and I'm feeling beautiful too. So that's good, isn't it? Praise God. Psalm 84. That's what we're doing. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible to Psalm 84, this is a good one. How lovely are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King, my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. So this is a general rave kind of psalm. He's just raving about the house of God. He says, how lovely are your tabernacles? It's plural. It's not one. Plural because it, the, the word means dwelling places, a place where God lives. And God lives in many places. We know that God lives in heaven. We know heaven is beautiful. We know that God lives in the tabernacle, the, the tent that Moses designed, you know, got built. He, he, that was his, his dwelling place, which is probably what the, the psalmist here is referring to particularly. And then we know that he lived in the temple of Solomon. That was his house. And now he lives in us. We are the church. He lives in this church. He lives in us, the people. We are the the building stones, if you like. So it's plural. It's a plural thing, how lovely are your tabernacles, because God has has sort of moved a little bit over the years. And it's lovely, and he wants us to love all of these places. The word there isn't actually lovely. It's lovable. It's how lovable. It's not just that he thinks The house of God is lovely. It's lovable. It's so easy to love. And this is the attitude that God wants us to have, that wherever God lives is just so beautiful because he's there. Anywhere he would be would be beautiful. But the house of God is particularly beautiful, and we have to have that same attitude. I believe that this psalm is in the Bible because it shows us the attitude that we need to have towards the house of God. It shows us the attitude that he wants us to have, that it's lovable. I love it. I love. For us, it's church. It's coming here together. It can also be when we're just praying alone, as Joe was saying every morning, because then we, then we go to heaven on our own, and that's so precious, and we love that time with God. But in an in a even greater sense, when we are all together, then we have the house of God together and there is something that happens when we all come together because we are living stones and we are fitted together and God is there and he wants us to have this attitude this is why this psalm is here he's wanting us to have that I just love I want to rave about it come on when when you go to church after you've gone to church you just want to write a poem do you just say like this guy he's just like I just have to write about it do you have to sort of do something I don't know what's your creative outlet is it art I just want to 
I just want to paint the church. I want to literally paint the church. That's what they did in the old days. You know, Michelangelo is up there painting the church. They loved the house. They wanted to creatively say, I just love this place. I love coming here. Think about that. Are you you so enraptured with coming to church with God's house that you just want to do some sort of creative output? I just have to write a poem about it. I I have to rave about it. Somehow I've just got to rave. This is a raving poem. I I found it quite hard to preach about this because it's just a rave. So I'm just going to rave, I think. (laughs) How lovely. Spurgeon says, Earth contains no sight so refreshing to us as the gathering of believers for worship. They are sorry saints indeed who see nothing amiable in the service of the Lord's house. Sorry saints who don't love the church. This is the attitude that we need to have. And he says, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. So there's like this deep desire. And it's so interesting to me. He says, I'm just longing for it. I love it. This is the attitude. When we go on holidays, and you know, it's okay to miss the odd Sunday. I I get that. But we should miss it. It's a bit like, no, I wonder what they're doing. It's secretly. We have to make ourselves. We have to make ourselves. for the first 10 years of, of pastoring this church, we missed one Sunday when we weren't, occasionally we'd preach somewhere else, but we'd miss one Sunday. We, we had one Sunday off on our summer holidays. And then the guys at Foster used to get us to preach on that Sunday. So we had no Sundays off because then we, we preached. And that was our Sunday off. And then we'd be back again. And, and we didn't mind because we just loved it so much. In every conference they say, now you need to take time off. You know, and we go, oh, okay. So we finally have done so. But there's this sense of just, oh, what's happening? How'd they go? Who's preaching? Chris listened to the podcast. Like, what, what, what happened? We love and your flesh, your heart cries out. It says, even my flesh, I thought about that, my flesh, your body. I mean, I get that, you know, my, my mind might want to be in church where, where God is, my, my soul, but my flesh, like physically, I want to be in church. Is there some physical thing going on? That's interesting, isn't it? He says, my, my heart and my flesh cry out, my soul longs, yes, even faints. So that word faints, colour, means is destroyed or consumed with this desire. So it's very interesting to me. We have a lot of issues in our world today with substance abuse, with people whose flesh is so hungry for something that they'll just take anything in. Crazy things people put in their bodies. Where does this strange hunger come from that people have? Perhaps it's because they don't come to the house of God and their flesh is tingling with desire. Their flesh is like shriveling up because there's no presence of God that fills you with the anointing. Your very flesh loves the presence of God. You're healthier when you come to church. Something sparkles out of you. People think you're 10, 20 years younger. I'm telling you, it happens to me all the time. So it's my son. How old is he? 26. Do you have a 26-year-old? I'm like, yes, I do. It's the spirit of God. It's the the anointing. I have a 26-year-old. I mean, I know you all know that. You get look up close. You see things. (laughs) But from a distance, (laughs) from a distance. So it's, it's just so good to be with God in his house and our flesh, that holy appetite will be satisfied. And it's because it's his house. It's because he is here. It's not this building. This is a very nice building. We have nice carpet. It's, 
It's not even the individuals. I'm a nice person, you know, but I don't have this impact on you. <laughs> I know that you don't long to be with me. Maybe my husband does. But it's not the individuals even. It's, it's something happens. There's a group thing. There's something that happens when we come together. And in Revelations, he speaks about this when he's talking to the different churches and he, he speaks to the angel, to the apostle of each church, which is possibly a man, the leader, the apostle of the church, but also perhaps there is an angel assigned to each church. And he speaks of the lampstand. He says, you've got a lampstand. And he gives them a little bit of, you know, each church has got its issues. He says, well, you guys got to sort this out and sort this out. And one church, he says, you better sort this out or I'm going to take your lampstand away. What is that lampstand? It's this, this brightness that makes a church a church. There's something that happens, something mystical where he says, this is the church and you have a lampstand. And if God takes that lampstand away, we're not church anymore. We're a group of people gathered together with a name, oh, la, la, we can be whatever we want to be or Pentecostal, whatever. But with no lampstand, we're not a church and then that thing stops. This church still got its lampstand, I can assure you. But it's because God is here and he puts his seal and his lampstand in the church and that lampstand is the very light of God in on the earth the church is the hope of God on the earth this is the organization this is where it's at it's not it's not going to be about you know some club it's not the politicians it's not medicare it's not it's not obamacare it's not it's no organization there's no organisation that does it. This is it. This is the organisation that's the answer to the, all the problems in the world. If everyone went to church, the problems of the world would start to get solved. It's the church. This is the answer. It's not the school, not even the nice private school on the North Shore, Martin. I'm very sorry to say. Very sorry to say. And some of them, some of them, some of them actually do think they're the answer to the world's problems. Some of them actually do, don't they, Martin? You'll say yes to that. I was saying some of them think they are the answer. They're the ants' pants, but they're not. They're not. It's the church. Always remember that, mums and dads. Send your kid to a good school by all means, but it's not the answer for your kids. The answer for your kids is to be in the house of God, believe me. That's what they need. I went to a fancy private school and look where it got me. With you, mom. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> actually, that's what my fancy private school friends think. I remember once they, one of them was doing an interview and she was talking about people that had sort of lost their way and she said to this friend of mine I knew a girl once she was so happening she's like the head girl she was really happening and you know I mean and then she just kind of lost her way and she she I think she married some religious guy and they kind of went off and it was very strange and this was a friend of mine she was talking to it was a an interview and he knew that she went to Abbotsley and he went he thought that sounds like Ruth he said are you, are you you're not talking about Ruth as I was then Ruth Southwick and she went well well, yes, I, I was, as a matter of fact, and he, so funny. And he goes, she hasn't lost her way. She's amazing. They've got a great church. And then the girl's like, oh. Like it's, I just think it's so funny that I was used as an example of someone who's kind of lost their way in the world because I'm not, you know, doing law on the North Shore. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, this is the place of God. This is where it's at. And I'd rather be here than doing law on the North Shore. I'm telling you. I've watched my fancy law friends over there. I've got a better life than that lot. This is where God is. So be sure that you find him here. Don't come here and just chat to me. Come and find God. When we worship, go into that focus on him because he's here. You know, I remember I love Heidi Baker who's just this crazy godly woman. She's kind of weird. I find her a bit weird sometimes, but I don't care. She loves Jesus. And she says, when I, she goes, 
when I go to church, I just focus. I focus on God. I find Jesus. Like she's kind of out there. And she just does. And I've been in a meeting with her and she was speaking. And she's just like, she focuses until she finds him. You know, I think, ah, there you are, Lord. And she enjoys him in the presence. Wherever that presence is, she enjoys him. And, and I, the meeting I was in with her, like she was the speaker. And she was just passed out on the ground. And I saw her daughter go over and they're kind of trying to lift her up and drag her up to the church. And she's going, whoa, <laughs> she's lost. And then, you know, and then you get all condemned and think, I'm not like that God, am I? I don't, I, I, no one has to drag me up here. I'm like jumping up here. And, and, but it's like, it's okay. We're all different, different churches. You know, some people are really weird. Some people are a little bit weird and some people are very straight. So you can, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the church is like. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Either way. Look, it doesn't matter what the church is like so long as it has a lampstand, so long as God is there. And, you know, I even went, when we were in uh, Italy, we were, I went to St. Peter's and we had a lovely experience there because it was empty. It was just amazing. We walked in and uh, Chris was reminded that he was actually born and, and baptised a Catholic because they had a section for Catholics only. I was like, Mm-mm. and Chris went, well, I might just go in then. <laughs> I stay here, darling. I'm a Catholic. I went, yeah, yeah. He says, well, I never got unbaptized a Catholic, so I'm technically still a Catholic. I went, all right. So he went into the Catholics only section and I didn't go in out of respect. And, uh, but I just went into another spot and, uh, I was just kind of praying and I, I, I just, it was, I mean, it's a little bit of a tourist event. You know what I mean? When you go to St. Peter's, it's not really, you're not sort of, there's no service. It feels a bit touristy to say the least. But it was the church, and I just kind of started to pray. I went, are you here, God? Like, are you here? And I felt the Lord say, of course. Of course, I mean, it's my house. Of course he's there. So I don't, I don't care what kind of church it is. He, so long as he's there and he's in his house. So my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. God has, has planted this church. And, and just with that in mind, you know, you can't just go out and start your own. You, you can't just decide, well, I, I'm, I'm, I have people sometimes I say, well, we've just decided to do our own thing. I'm like, but you, you don't get to do that. Only God decides where he's going to put that lampstand. You can't just decide, well, we've had it with churches, so we're going to do our own little house church. Well, maybe. I, don't, I, I know some house churches have a lampstand, but not all of them. You've got to be called and sent by God. You don't guess, just get to start a church. You just don't say, well, I've decided I'm going to be an apostle because that's who starts churches, apostles. They start them, they send them, and they, they're either over them, like Phil Pringle, or the, the one that is sent as an apostle. You, you don't just get to do that. So some house churches, it's like you can do what you want in your own little way, but don't think that you get to start your own church. Only God starts churches. So you make sure that you're in a church that God has ordained and that's real because otherwise you're not experiencing the house of God in its fullness the way you should. Even the sparrow, verse 3, has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young on your altars, O Lord of hosts. I mean, it's so lovely. He's, he's a bird watcher, of course. You know that I'm a bird watcher and I regularly come back to the fact that it's quite a biblical thing to look at the birds. So <laughs> he observed even the birds in the houses he was looking at and it's almost as if he was jealous that they get to that they get to be so close. They get to live in the house. Like, look, even the birds get to be there. I want to be there. I want to be there like them. 
And he says, and they, and they have a, a nest for their young. They raise their young in the house. And that's who we need to raise our young. Raise them in the house. We're none of us perfect parents by any means. But I believe that when the children grow up in the house of God, they see examples of other great adults. They, there's an anointing over their life. There's a protection over their soul and their flesh. And it's very good for them to be raised up in the house of God. So be as wise as the swallow and bring your kids up in a safe place away from attack and weirdness. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, verse 4. They will still be praising you. They're, all, they're still praising. I love the, 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 the way that comes up. To live in the house is a blessing. It's good to visit, but live here. It's like, I just want to be here all the time. The closer, the better. I love, you know, John and Janelle McDonald when they bought the house around the road and they just walked to church. If you drive past, you just see them walking to church. And she just loves us. I say, it's so cool. She goes, I know, we just walked to church. It's nice to be close. But then if some of you are not close, you might drive a long way. But how nice that you are willing to do that because I want to come. I'm prepared to, to drive. The closer the better. But if it's not close, I'm going I'm to drive. I'm going to be here. I so appreciate Simon that somehow or other he managed for the last two years, he's managed to squeeze in a day. You know, he's providing for his family and he's got four kids and who knows how many more they're going to have. And <laughs> no, no, don't say that. No, no, no. But he was so wanting to serve in the house. He, he, he was kind of doing strange things for his job. They're like, we want you to work five days. He's like, oh, no, I want to do this day. And he was so keen to, to help us and to, to put you know, energy into that, to the finances. It's such a great attitude that he, he wants to do that and be a part of what's going on. And, and that's the attitude that we're to have, just that uh, it's a blessing. And it says they're still praising you because we... We're learning his ways and we're finding out what happens. So we go through stuff, but I'm still praising. Go through this, I'm still praising. Feel a bit down, still praising. I love that. No matter what happens, we're still praising, still praising. Verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a spring. The rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart, in whose heart are the highways. I love that. I, I love the highway of holiness. And when we are in church, we're constantly being shown those ways of God. We're being taught them as now. And, and it's in our heart. It's like I know it, it. You know it by heart. You know what God wants you to do. He's set that direction. You know when with some places you know how to get there by heart. You don't even have to think about it. Sometimes you just drive somewhere and you realise, oh, I've driven to work, you know, accidentally because you're in autopilot. That's how God wants us to be. He wants it, the highway of holiness to be in our heart so it's just natural. This is what I do. I don't, I don't talk like that. I don't think like that. I don't do that anymore because... His ways are in my heart and I do it instinctively and that's part of being in church that we learn. And, and it's a journey. This is not some sort of stationary thing. It's, it's more like a caravan. We, we all together, the church is journeying through. And he says that there's a, there's a journey that we're on together in church. And sometimes they pass through the valley of Bacar, which is weeping. So... Sometimes life is unpleasant 
And sometimes even church is unpleasant. Sometimes there's things that go on and we, we have to pass through that valley. Someone said, um, they were talking about the church and they said, well, you know, they're really hurt by the church. I said, do they, do they go to church? She says, no, they were really hurt by the church. The church really let them down. And I think, well, well, you know, let's just examine that statement a little bit because it's not an uncommon statement. They're hurt by the church. Church let me down, whatever. Well, who exactly are we talking about? We're not talking about Jesus, obviously, who's the head of the church. So are we talking about everybody in the church? I don't think so. Like every individual let you down? Oh, I don't think so. Not everyone. So some people in the church let you down. Yes, some people. Which people? Well, maybe it was the main people let you down. What, like me? The pastors let you down? Maybe. Maybe it was Dale or Aaron. More likely you guys than me. That's... <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm just passing on the baton, as you well know. <laughs> it's true. For years, no one ever got offended with Aaron. Never, ever, ever, ever. They only ever got offended with me. And then one day, people started to get offended with Aaron. I went, Aaron, Welcome. Welcome, I pass, I officially give you the baton. If anyone wants to get offended, it's Aaron. It's not me, it's Aaron. So, but here's the thing. So, is it the lampstand? Is it the holy anointing of the church that hurt you? I don't think so. Of course not. That's just light and life and love. So most likely it was an individual, an individual or a group of individuals that you feel offended with for whatever reason. So, so what? So what do you do? Forgive them. Get over it. Whoopie-doo. I know this church is full of individual people who have faults and, and weaknesses. But it's not the church. It's me or Erin or Joe. I think Joe would upset a few people. But <laughs> it's <laughs> – sorry, Joe, but I know she can handle it. So the Bible is very clear. Matthew eighteen fifteen. if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. Don't, don't tell Craig. He doesn't want to know about it. Tell the person that upset you. That's assuming that it wasn't you that upset them, Craig, because that is also possible. That is also possible. Go and tell them. Say, when you said that to me, it really upset me because I felt like you were saying I was a terrible person. I'm really not. And then that person hopefully will go, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to upset you because you're really not a terrible person. You're beautiful. Or they might say, well, actually, you could do better. So handle it. (laughs) So, you know, whatever. I don't know. Sort it out. It's called communication. It says go and tell them. Go and talk it out. Work it out. And if they listen to you, great. If they don't listen to you, forgive. Sometimes you can never get through it. Sometimes you just have to agree to disagree. That's what you do. It's not the church. Don't leave the church because that person upset you or that group upset you. Can you hear what I'm saying? Because the church, remember, is lovely. So our attitude is how lovely. How lovable. Oh, I love the church. A couple of people are not so keen on, have to deal with them, have to forgive them. But it's not the church. Come to church and work through those issues. And you know what? It's really actually quite exciting because I've had some, actually had some of those issues with Aaron. <laughs> We've had issues. Every, if you've got a really good relationship, you do have issues and it's so exciting. Sorry, Aaron. I think it's the pink hair. You, you do pink hair, you're going to get picked on, okay? I don't know why. Sorry. <laughs> but if you... If you have issues and you work through them, it's actually fabulous. It's a tremendous sense of, wow, we really disagreed about that, but we've come through and it's lovely. I love it. It's like marriage. You know, it's exciting. It's like, wow, we got through that. We're, we're better. We're stronger. We love each other more. So don't be angry with the church. Be angry with me or Aaron <laughs> and forgive us. 
you know, I went to a beautiful home in Avalon over the holidays and wow, like I had no idea. So friends said, come and bring Keelan. They have boys. Come and play. Come and be there. So we went and stayed a couple of nights and I arrived and I was like, wow, like it's on the cliff. You know when you look at, you know when you're on the beaches and there's those houses on the cliffs that just like, like there is the, the, there's a cliff and there's the ocean. They just have a bit of grass and then whoa, like this. And I just went, wow, this is amazing. And what a beautiful home it was. It was just so lovely. I just couldn't stop looking at the view. You get to look at this every day. I was just raving and just so fabulous. And for prayer, you just walk out into the cliff, just pray. Oh, love a house like that. Now, while we were there, she's got three little boys. So the kids squabble because that's what kids do. You know, they fight. So especially when you add Keelan into the mix, so it was like, so then they had a bit of fight. They're not not in a bad way, normal kids, but that's normal. And it didn't mean that the house isn't nice. It didn't mean that there was something. It was like, oh, I'm not staying here. The children are fighting. I'm leaving. It's like, well, of course the children are fighting. That's what children do. It doesn't take away from the fact that the house is magnificent. So enjoy the house, handle the kids fighting, and don't leave home. Can you imagine if? When we were young, for example, and say Eleanor and Hudson fought, if Eleanor said, I'm leaving this house because Hudson's fighting with me. I can't stand it anymore. Hudson, stop it. I really mean it. It doesn't work anymore. So I'm out. That's no good. You can't walk out of the house when you're a five-year-old and live on the streets. I just saw the movie Lion. That doesn't work very well out there on the streets. You've got to stay in the house because it's lovable, despite the odd kid having a squabble. So praise God. Don't make yourself a spiritual foster child because that's not the way to be. It's better to be with your own family. And what happens is when they pass through this valley of weeping, and there will be tears sometimes, and, and whether that's tears within the church or whether it's tears in the life that you're going through because there's other things that happen in, in all our individual lives that are very, very serious. I know that. But look what they do. They make it a spring and the rain covers it with pools. This is so beautiful. So I'm going through something tough and I cry out to God and I, it's a spring or a well. I dig out a well in my pain. I dig out a well. I have to dig into God and I create something. And maybe it just looks like I'm creating a whole bunch of dirt and there's dirt everywhere and I'm hurting, but I'm creating something beautiful. And then the Lord comes and fills that place of pain and that place of mud with rain and it becomes a spring, it becomes a fountain, it becomes a pool of refreshment. And then I go on and other people come and they can drink from the pool that I created. That's what happens. That place of pain becomes a place of refreshment for those coming after me. So I've been through pain, I've been through stuff, I really have, and I dig into God. And then five years, ten years down the track, someone else is going through it and I think this is where I've been and I've just got I've got so much to give because I've been there. I can help them. And they can feel that refreshment coming from me. They make it a pool. That's what we do with our, with our pain. We make it a pool. We make it, we make it somewhere beautiful and refreshing for others. That's how we pass through the valley. We make it beautiful and others are blessed and it becomes something wonderful. How exciting. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. We get stronger and stronger and each one appears before God in Zion. We're going to make it. We're getting better and better. I love this. It's very exciting as a Christian, especially in a world that totally 
honours and loves youth and glamour and good looks and women are desperately trying to make themselves look younger. We don't need to look younger because we go from strength to strength. We, we're more glorious. We, we, we'll go, I'll go with the glory. I don't, I, I don't care about looking young. I, I care about being anointed and glorious. And besides, we get a new body in heaven anyway. So that's, you know, neither here nor there. We're getting better and stronger in the house. This is all because we love the house of God and we're growing and we're, not, and we're moving forward. And, but interestingly, they go from strength to strength. When I looked up the word, I love to look up all the Hebrew, and the word is chayil. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. But this is a fascinating word to me. It's, it's the word they use for army. So if you say there's an army coming, we're going to, you know, the army of, you know, the Israelites is coming to fight against the whoever, they use the same word. So it's a force, it's an army. And so the concept there is not me being strong and getting stronger and stronger. It's a group strength. It's always a group. We're very, very independent in the West. We always think in terms of me, I'm getting stronger, I'm getting better, yay. No, 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 I'm not doing nothing. We are, on my own, I can't do anything. But together, we go from strength to strength. We are a force to be reckoned with. And we go from army to army. And I'm like, well, how did, I couldn't get my head around. What does that mean? So I rang up my beautiful son, who, as you know, is in the army. And I asked him a little bit about the army. And it was just interesting to me the way that the army's divided. I'll just read it to you because it interests me. So you've got sections. This is in the infantry where he is, with the foot soldiers. He's got, there's about eight men in a section, or women, of course, uh, in a section a platoon has about 30. So each section then is part of a platoon with about 30. Each platoon is part of a company and Hudson's part of Alpha Company. And then each company is part of a battalion and Hudson's in one RAR or Royal Australian Regiment, can be known as regiment or battalion. And we've got about 600 soldiers in a battalion and each battalion is part of a brigade and the brigade includes not just the infantry battalion but also the other different uh, battalion or the corps so you would have armored corps which is all the tanks or you would have um, you know the medic corps or the engineers and all the you know, signal corps so you have all those in a brigade and then each brigade makes up part of a division and the Australian army has two divisions the full-time and the reservists. So I thought, wow. And I said, and so do you move around? And he said, oh, all the time. All the time. I went, oh, I love it. So you go from like army to army. He said, well, not the army, but yeah, you go from, you get transferred from platoon to platoon, from this company to that company and from this battalion to that battalion. I thought, I love it. It's really, so that's what happens. That's what we do. We go from strength to strength, but it's a sort of a, a reference almost to the to the army that we are moved around a bit you know you might be in the, the music brigade for a little while and then you get moved into the kids club and there there might be some movement like that from from you know some of you might not have ever done coffee but you might be doing it now and you you know and you might say oh that's all very sweet but I don't see it just as a you know a specialty I see it as a spiritual thing there's spiritual power in that you know there you might go from a prophetic ministry here to a prophetic ministry over there. Or, do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's exciting. We go from strength to strength. We're moving constantly within this army and, and gaining new strength and new, new warfare skills within the church. So use them. Go for it. Be on to it. You know, Hudson said it's often a promotion. If you, if you gain a special skill, like he's gained a skill in mortars, you, you're known for that skill and you can go forward. So there's strengths for you. There's a force. There's a section that you perhaps are going to be transferred into. 
Perhaps you're going to be in the healing brigade or the intercessors or the prophetic section. So come on. That's what we want you to do. Go from strength to strength. Don't just sit where you are and say, well, this is all I do. I'm, I can, all I can do is occasionally do this. No, you, you go from strength to strength. You might feel a desire to be, to be in a, a new section or a new brigade, so go for it. Be, be awesome. Do, you know, move within that and appear before God in that. It says we'll all appear before God. Let's move on. Very exciting. Ha-ha, look at this. Verse 10. One day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So we've come through the valley of Bacar. We've dealt with these issues and we come back to the, the sense of how much I love your church. One day. One day. Now, I think, he, you know, you've got to remember what he was talking about. He was talking about a tabernacle with kind of brown skins. Inside was glorious. But the writer, it might have been David, but they're not sure who it was. What that actually represented for them, a day in the tabernacles, was to go inside the, the, they had a tent, a sort of tent wall, if you like, go in there and in the outer court, there was just a bunch of animals being killed. That's, that's what it was. They had the priests and they might have had some singers and things, but there's a... They had the sacrifices going on and it was, it was a brutal, bloody kind of affair, actually. And I think that's the first time I've ever said that word in church, but it is actually accurate. So it was. And it was, and, and the Holy of Holies, where that had a few bits of gold and the nice bits, you didn't get to go in there unless you were a priest. The Holy of Holies, only the high priest went. So we're talking about this guy just couldn't wait to hang out in this bloody, strange courtyard because it was so anointed. But he knew that was the presence of God was there. So it was an odd presence, an odd place. And yet he said, I would rather be there with all those animals being slaughtered and that sense of the anointing, the sense of the covering and that tremendous excitement I get that this somehow represents something amazing that I sense is coming with the cross. Like they must have sensed the prophetic impact of that. He loved that tabernacle because God was there. Because God was there. So it meant so much to him. And maybe you, you, you feel like that, you know, I, I'd rather be one day, one day than a thousand elsewhere. A thousand days is two years, eight months, three weeks and five days. Where, would you prefer to spend one day, let's just make it real, one day here in this church. So come early, come to the prayer meeting, go to the service, you know, 10 to 11.30, hang out in the courtyard and then maybe have a meeting with someone afternoon. Then, you know, go to the cafe church at night and maybe hang out until 8 or 9 o'clock. That one day, I'd rather do that, Ruth, than two years, two years, eight months, three weeks and five days, anywhere. The Maldives, the best hotel in the world. Fiji, I don't know, where, where is your, anywhere, I'd rather have one, if you could, if you give me one great day in church, with the, the preaching had to be good, you know, and good music, I'd rather have that day than two years and eight months five on the, on the Maldives, on holiday, with no Christians, you'd have to be on your own, because if there's one other Christian, you start to create a house of God, because if there's two or three, so you'd have to be no Christians at all, just you and no Christians. And I actually thought about that. I actually thought about a two-year holiday. Well, I couldn't go with Chris because he's a Christian, so no Christians because then, you know. And I thought, you know, it's true. I would. I'd rather be here. I'd rather have this day. I think I'd get rather lonely, actually. I think I would get rather bored. So it's a nice bed. So, you know, nice food. 
I think I'd have enough. So what? I like being with people. I love. I like being with the Christian. I like being in the house of God. I like being with God. I'd rather do that. Is that your attitude? Is that your attitude? Because nowhere's as good as this place. Are we, I mean, every now and again, we've done some fun. Chris is so sweet. He looks up and he gets this super duper 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 deal and we stay in some super duper duper fancy hotel for one night, usually. <laughs> and, you know, and we go and for one night we swan around like, yes, yes, and all the other rich people and they don't, they're there for two weeks and they're there for one night, you know, on this deal. But, you know, and it's really lovely because... You know, the toilet seat warms up for you or the bed you float in or, you know, or they give you free chocolate when you arrive or whatever. But it's not, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a bed, it's a room, it's a TV. I've got that at home. One day here be better than that two years. Isn't that amazing? I'd rather one day. <laughs> Chris says on the front, I'm going to save my money next time. <laughs> you should, darling. One day I'd rather, one day in the house of God, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. It doesn't even say doorkeeper. It's not even, it's not even someone standing at the door. It's rather be on the threshold in the house of God than dwell in the tw- tents of wickedness. Do you feel like sometimes you're missing out? Do you feel like sometimes you're not on the in, that you're sort of on the edge? I'm not really, they don't really like me. I'm kind of on the edge. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just on the threshold. Well, he said, I'd rather that. I'd rather be on the threshold. I'd rather no one recognised me. I'd rather be unknown. I'd rather be out there working with the kids. I'd rather be sweeping the front porch than living in some fancy place in the eastern suburbs with a McLaren. That's what I would rather. I'd rather that. That's what he says. That's his attitude. I don't even care if no one knows me at church. I'd still rather come here and be in the courts of God, be in where God is, than have a fancy lifestyle. And, you know, I think sometimes there is a little bit of a choice there. My observation is that the love of money is a very dangerous thing. And, and it's, you know, the fact is that, that not very super rich people are actually saved. I don't know if it's because they have to make sacrifices along the way that excludes them from going to the house of God. I don't know. So I, but I just believe that not many Christians are called to be super rich. It takes so much time and energy to, to, to be like that. And I'm not sure that, that God has called many people for that. So be careful with that desire to live in that fancy house and that desire to live in that better suburb or whatever because you just can have one day here in a simple place and you'll be happier. Be like Simon, put your energy into serving the Lord instead of getting the promotion. And look what happens. Look what happens anyway. Verse 11. The Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So how do you get it all anyway? He gives grace and glory, favor and honor. He gives you the grace and glory that you need. He gives you, if he wants you to have glory, he can give you glory. I mean, again, this movie Lion, look at this guy. He's just some random Indian kid that, you know, was adopted in Australia and now he's world famous because of his amazing story. It's a great movie of his amazing story and there's definitely God in there you have to pray for the guy he's got to get saved so you know God can if God wants you to have promotion he can give you promotion that's neither here nor there but no good does he withhold no good he blesses you you're in the house of God you don't have a swimming pool you got the beach you don't have the this fancy thing he give you another he wants to bless us that's not a problem he gives us good things 
It's not the lifestyles of the rich and the famous that we want. It's the lifestyles of the anointed and the glorious. That's where it's at. Come on. So praise the Lord. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Let's rejoice and love the house of God. And let's see these blessings and this goodness in our own life because that's what he wants for us. Let's be committed. Let's, let's serve. Let's work. Let's, do, let's put our hearts in here because it's God's house and he loves it. And we have the same attitude as the psalmist. How lovely. How my heart and my flesh cry out for you, Lord God. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.